Welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, where I interview the absolute best health and wellness practitioners from across the globe to show you what they do so that you can do it too. This is because, like you, I did not always feel that health was easy. I had tried different diets, countless exercise plans, but often felt misled by an industry that thrives on you not really getting healthy and always spending money on the next new thing. Because of this, I'm getting bare naked on health and pulling back the curtain to show you that being truly healthy is simple. Wherever you are in your health journey, I want to show you that with minimal effort, you can get maximum results and do what you love, play with your kids, go for a hike, and crush it in your business all while feeling great. To give you a kickstart, I encourage you to go over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to get the top 10 world-class nutrition tips from the experts that have been on the show, and you will see what simple health can be. Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horowski, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, episode number 68. In today's episode, I interview best-selling author and mind, body, and performance coach, Joe Rushton. Be sure to stick around for the end of the episode to hear what Joe has been up to when living with a family of clients for the last few weeks, why willpower alone won't heal you, and simply some deep insights from a beautiful soul. Alrighty guys, welcome to another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast, and on the line today, I have Joe Rushton. Joe, first question that I ask everybody who comes on the show is, tell us about your health journey in 10 sentences or less. <laughs> oh my God, it's the first one. <laughs> <laughs> it's been an up and down journey. Nick, I've learned everything I have through making all the wrong choices. And so, therefore, I'm very blessed for having made those wrong choices. It wasn't that way at the time, but hindsight is a very wise and wonderful teacher. Yes. And I can truly say that, uh, you know, my days as um, a bodybuilder taught me everything I needed to know about how not to train the body, how not to look after the body. And yet, at that level of consciousness I had then at the time, I thought I was doing the very best thing. And so, you make your choices and that gives you uh, an experience and that experience creates contrast and through the contrast you get feedback and you learn what it is you want more of and what it is you want less of. And so, my health journey has been one of um, bringing myself back from leaky gut irritable bowel, chronic fatigue, um, extreme joint and muscular pain throughout different parts of my body that was due to the leaky gut that I had no idea that there was a link to at the time. In fact, I remember when I was oh, in my early 30s, late 20s, I don't think I'd hit 30 yet, but in my late 20s, I was at a cinema one night and the film was pretty long and we were coming to the end of it and I went to sort of extend my knees and I'd really ne I'd noticed over the course of the film that a lot of, there was a lot of heat that I was feeling in my around my knee joints on both sides and 
I started to kind of stretch my legs out to get up and the pain was just like, I remember thinking to myself, oh my God, don't tell me I'm heading down the same road as my mom who's had two knee replacements. Here I am, I'm only 29. And little did I know at that time that that was all secondary to my leaky gut. And so once I, you know, started my journey, and I had started it by that time, but I just hadn't got all the information on board. And once I had made the link and got diagnosed and started to do the research for myself and empower myself through the knowledge that I was learning and going elsewhere for information, I started to realize that a lot of the pains and aches and inflammation I was getting in my body and experiencing in my body was actually from the leaky gut. Um, and so subsequently, you know, once I had, had healed and, you know, I, I don't ever, I guess one of my key things is I don't ever see healing as an end point or destination. Um, I think truly to be healed for me isn't to be in the absence of disease. It's to realize that you're more than the disease that you have. And I think that that is a mindset and it's a shift that really creates um, a frequency, a vibration within the body that helps you manage where you're at and go beyond it. To realize that to heal isn't to be without the disease, but it's to realize that you're actually not the disease and that you are more than the disease that you might be experiencing. And that is almost a catalyst right there to the healing journey itself. So that was more than 10 sentences. But. No, that's, that's great. So, I mean, I appreciate you sharing. So where on that healing journey do you find yourself now? I still find myself, Nick. Um, you know, maybe back uh, 10 years ago, it was, you know, two steps forward, one step back. I now find myself on a journey of, you know, three or four steps forward and one step back. And so I guess what I'm sharing there is that, you know, there's always an experience of, um, oh, you know, I could have, I feel like I need to do this. Or, you know, there's always an experience of coming up against your self-limiting beliefs. Or there are always experiences that bring you up against your, you know, your deepest challenges. And there's certainly one thing I've learned on the journey, and that is willpower alone <laughs> won't heal you. And therefore, trying to be 100% this or that will create disappointment and suffering and, you know, self-flagellation. Because to try and be 100%, um, you know, good or... Um, you know, committed or to the program, to the health protocol is unrealistic. You know, we are dynamic human beings who experience, you know, your life can be turned up in an instant. You know, I, in fact, to that, to that note, um, one of the reasons it's taken so long for you and I to, to get online and, and have this chat, um, from when we sp first spoke, I came back from the States, um, I had quite a busy um, teaching and presenting schedule. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, uh, one of my clients uh, um, had a mental breakdown. And I found myself actually moving in to his family uh, because their whole family are clients. 
and I have been coaching this family uh, for, you know, a few years. And I had, you know, I had seen a decline in, um, in his mental and emotional health uh, for the last, you know, 12 to 18 months. And it was something that I was constantly trying to bring him aware to. And I guess there's a piece right there, and that is everyone has their own journey. And um, you can only bring somebody aware to something that they're ready to be aware of, i.e. you can bring them to water, but whether or not they're ready to drink. <laughs> like, and, and listen to, uh, to what you're observing of them. And so unfortunately, um, within a 48-hour period, he actually found himself in, in um, the PEC unit, which is the uh, emergency psychiatric ward. And uh, he had gone from this amazing, confident, entrepreneurial, go-getter, type A, you know, high achiever to the shell of the person that he once was. And um, your life gets turned upside down. For, for me, as, as his coach, um, it was an absolute no-brainer. I didn't think twice. In fact, you know, again, in hindsight and reflection, I thought nothing of. It felt the absolute most natural thing for me to step in to manage the trauma and the acute trauma that he and the rest of the family were going through. But I share that simply because things happen at the drop of a hat, unbeknown to you. You know, if there's one cons cons consistency in life, one guarantee in life, and that's change. And the degree into which that can happen and how quickly that can happen is the unknown that we learn to navigate and manage. And so, you know, I moved in for six weeks and supported um, his wife and his children up until, up, literally up until he came home, which was only about a week or so ago. And so in that, what I'm sharing is that to try and be 100%, you know, good, whatever that is in your eyes, um, you know, be careful with that because life happens. And the idea of being able to stay, you know, true to this routine or that routine isn't being true to the dynamic nature of who we are and what we experience. And so, you know, in that moment, in those six weeks, I was, you know, thrown into, by choice, a very uh, volatile and turbulent environment. And that plays, you know, that, that has a, an impact on your circadian rhythms and your circadian health. It has an impact on um, your meal rhythms, on your, you know, on your stress management strategies that up until then had worked for you and now you're finding yourself in a new acute environment that you've never experienced before and it's testing you at another level. And so in those unknown situations, you're most likely to go back to default on what are the most oldest ingrained coping mechanisms that your cellular self knows and remembers and I found myself you know going oh my gosh you know I'm eating more sugar than I would normally or I'm you know uh going for this choice or that choice I haven't done that in years this is a really interesting experience and observation I'm having of myself and so you know there we go again um if we become too unrealistic and not flexible enough 
and compassionate enough with ourselves along our journey and become too fixed, it has to be like this, then we can open ourselves up to more unnecessary suffering because you're not meeting your own standards because your own standards are unrealistic based on the <laughs> polarities of the universe and that is everything that exists <laughs> is the opposite. And if you live in a delusional idea that life is one-sided and everything should always happen this way or, you know, life should always be good and always be going, you know, this shouldn't happen and that shouldn't happen, then you're deluding yourself on the basis of what creation is, is built upon. So there's a lot of learnings there I've just that, dumped. <laughs> that was fantastic. Uh, Joe, I have so many questions just off of that alone. Uh, one that I'm curious on, when you find yourself having an observation of being in a situation, falling back to a pattern, well, you had that observation, so you are aware of it. What, what is your reaction to that? Because most people, it's just going to be, well, probably rinse, lather, the repeat. Like they don't even recognize it. They're having, but you said you had that observation. What is, what do you almost do with that at that point? Well, you know, and that's where the, uh, you know, three or four steps forward, one step back comes back into it. You know, there were times that I was in the observation of it and I was strong enough to be able to put a pause button on and call upon some, you know, strategies that, that, that are also ingrained in my life now, whether that's just to, you know, kind of put, you know, time out and go and have a glass of water, Joe, go and go for a walk around the block. Um, you know, take 10 breaths before you make a choice. And after you've taken 10 diaphragmatic breaths, think again, is it still the same choice you want to make? And so, you know, those were the sort of things I would do. And sometimes they would work. I would say eight times out of 10, they would work. 2% of the time, I was too tired. I was too stressed. I was too caught up, entangled in the event or story at the time. And I'd just go, oh, you know what, I just, I just need it, you know? And, and that's, you know, that's the difference. And I guess with my observation of that, when I made the conscious choice of I'm just going to do it anyway, I made it with uh, a degree of empathy towards myself, a degree of compassion towards myself, rather than uh, doing it with this disdain for myself for the fact that I've weakened to doing it. And so, you know, rather than doing it and then having to go through the whole guilt trip and, oh, I'm so bad and I'm so weak and, you know, um, you should know better all that you know and all that you study and all that you teach and, you know, you succumb to that. You know, I didn't go down that road. You know, that's a road I would have taken 10 years ago. Now with, you know, an awareness for the choices I'm making um, and an observation for the, you know, the situation I was in and the uh, amount of stress and, you know, um, managing of other people's emotions, you know, literally you know, a good 16, 18 hours of the day. Um, I was compassionate enough with myself to say, you know what, if, I, if, if that's what I need to choose to do right now, I'm okay with that. I'm not going to beat myself up about it. I'm human. I'm having another human experience. The, the perfection lies within the imperfection and the ability to acknowledge that of yourself. A little further back in the story, Joe, you'd also talked about the change of life. But... You also mentioned routines in there. So I'm curious, do you have 
if you're not jumping in uh, kind of full bore 16, 18 hours a day there, what is what is what are your maybe morning routines, your evening routines, or just even a daily routine that you like to follow? <laughs> that I'm just in the process of reclaiming right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I love to start my day. Um, I love to start my day with a meditation, which I get to do, um, you know, pretty much five, five mornings out of a, a, a working week right now. I have, um, I have two, uh, two reasonably early mornings, nothing like they used to be. And that's something else that I have, you know, put a, drawn a line in the sand around, um, no, you know, the earliest client I will start with now would be 7.30 in the morning. And there was a day that that would be, you know, 5.30 or 6 a.m. And I will only do that now once a week. And so I have really changed my routine to suit me, the work that I've done to put myself first from a place of selflessness rather than selfishness, but know what my needs are to bring the best of me to my day and to my clients. And, you know, once I got over, you know, the... Um, the need to be the pleaser because I hadn't yet learned how to cultivate my own self-acceptance, self-appreciation, self-approval, self-acknowledgement. I call them the four A's. You know, for as long as you're needing acceptance, approval, appreciation, or acknowledgement, and you haven't learned how to cultivate those energies for yourself, you will always have an agenda whereby you're looking for them through someone else. And you know, that plays out in you being the pleaser, in always saying yes and not really knowing the value of your no. And so my routine has really changed over the, the last few years to reflect my needs first. And once I got my head around the fact that, you know, the very best I can do for anyone else is actually put myself first. And once I challenged that theory and realized, wow, it is actually true, and uh, if you get over the idea that that's what it you know looks like to be selfish and realize that, well, no, actually, what better gift can you give someone else than to give and bring your whole self to the party, then my day starts with a meditation and then... Do you have a um, type of meditation? I do a lot of different meditations, Nick. Um, at the moment, I'm loving uh, Joe Dispenza's meditations. Um... I love his work, and um, I've got a few of his meditations. Um, they go from, you know, anywhere from 45 minutes um, to about an hour and 15. And they are really, I love his um, meditations because, you know, they really can take you on a journey of really dropping down through the brain waves into a state where you can, you know, start to access the subconscious mind and start to do the work to really you know, fire and rewire those neurological pathways and really work at that subconscious level to recreate yourself. And I've been really enjoying um, that experience and seeing how my outside world changes um, and is recreated as a result of, of doing these um, meditations. So, and then, if, you know, then I have some really other beautiful meditations that are very heart-centered meditations. Um, and I have, you know, oh, <laughs> probably a hundred or so of those, you know, um, in my iTunes from 
uh, from a lot of sacred mystery schools that I've done um, over the years, uh, which are, you know, processes where you commit into um, a school for 12 to 18 months, and depending on what the focus of that school is, um, it's deep meditational work. Uh, and, you know, I often revisit those meditations and, you know, it's really, I just feel into what it is that I need, you know, sometimes I'll just sit, you know, one thing that, um, I can feel, a, a, a pulse to want to start doing again is, um, journaling. I went through a period of my life a few years ago where I did a lot of journaling. Every morning I felt pulsed to just get up and do a Mandela and journal. And, uh, and I can start to feel that, um, that same kind of need or craving to, to start writing again. And that often comes with just starting a sentence with, what would you have me know today? And that's a, 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 an invitation when you're in a quiet space to start connecting to um, your higher self, you know, whatever word you want to to label that part of yourself that's greater than um, just the ego or just, you know, the analytical mind uh, that we spend most of the day in. Um, and so when you ask that question, you're really kind of connecting to this other part of you that it has a, a higher wisdom, a higher knowing, a, a greater connection to the divine where, you know, the libraries of knowledge and the libraries of light reside and everything that you need to know um, rather than needing to look it up in a book or research it on Dr. Google, uh, believe it or not, you've got direct access to. Um, and, and I've had some really amazing experiences in my darkest moments, in actual fact, when, you know, uh, about 10 years ago, it might be about 12 years ago now, I, I went through, um, you know, my first major breakup. And in that time of, of healing, I um, I would sit and I would do a mandala and I would then uh, write and it was in those moments that again in hindsight and reflection I realized that that need to write based on that question what would you have me know now or what would you have me know today uh, was my doorway to receiving the guidance and the healings from a higher place of myself that was guiding me to to understand what I was going through and to give me the advice and the guidance of what it was that I needed to um, to heal and to get through my day. And, you know, I look back sometimes at that journal and reread and I'm like, oh my gosh, who is that? You know, because all I know is that just, you know, the little Joe couldn't sit down and write that. And, and so you when I read it now I, I can feel um, I can feel this frequency of, of wisdom coming through from a higher place that that I truly believe we're all connected to and so you know my my day goes from some sort of inner reflective inner connective practice in the morning to some movement out in out, out in the gym I kind of stumble from the bed to uh, my gym is actually off a door from my bedroom. Um, so I kind of just, you know, walk from, from the bed to the bed, uh, from the bedroom to the, to the gym and get down on a mat and, you know, start doing some movement. And, um, and then from there, um, 
you know, I start, I start my day either, depending on what, you know, is scheduled in my day, um, I either start it, um, you know, going straight into clients after that, you know, breakfast and, and the rhythm of taking care of myself first and then into, into my clients. Um, and, you know, I have, I have certain disciplines now that I am, um, disciplines or rituals that I'm committed to bringing awareness to, such as, you know, what time I turn the computer off at night and, you know, when is it that I say enough is enough and, you know, remind myself that at the end of the day we could all keep going, couldn't we? And there's always something on the to-do list to do. Um, but the reality of actually being effective or efficient productive um, in the true sense of the word really only comes if you give back to yourself what, what you need. So I have become really quite disciplined about um, when to, you know, when to down tools. And, you know, my relaxation um, is, you know, a number of things. I often, even now, I mean, it's winter, we're coming into winter here, but, you know, we're very lucky that during the day uh, we can have some beautiful blue skies and that's like kind of crisp cold outside. And the autumn leaves at the moment are the most beautiful, beautiful ray of colors. They're just spectacular. So, you know, yesterday, um, after I'd kind of finished um, doing some work and being happy with where I'd got up to, it was about 4.30, and I was just like, I'm going to go for a walk. And that was kind of my way of, um, I'd had a full day of clients. Wednesdays are my early days, so I actually started 7.30, and I'll go straight through until uh, about 4.00. And, uh, and then it was down tools and I took myself up for a walk and that's my way of just debunking my day, if you like, uh, reflecting on what went well, what could I do better, um, what have I learned, just, you know, and I do that a lot because, um, I mean, I'm so fortunate, Nick, that I love what I do. I am so blessed and so fortunate that I love what I do. There's not, oh my gosh, um, I seriously could not imagine not doing what I love to do. And I'm so incredibly grateful for that because I do remember a time in my life, uh, my first life as a chef, um, which I loved until I no longer loved it. And there was then that period where in trying to navigate where I was to go next, there was a time when I wasn't enjoying getting up every day. I loathed going into the kitchen and I literally was that person who hated my job and uh, the amount of energy that it takes out of you, the amount of life force you have to use to get up and go and do something that does not resonate and speak to your heart is like, I think one of the greatest drains on our life force is to actually get up every day and do something that is for someone else or something that's not aligned to what you feel fulfills your life and brings true meaning and purpose to you. And so now, you know, and I, I made that realignment. It took, you know, it took 12, 18 months of, you know, kind of suffering every day to realize, do I really want to do this for the rest of my life? Um, is this really how I want to feel every morning? Um, to, to really doing some soul searching and going, well, you know, what's the next step? Where do I go from here? And, um, and I did, and I made the transition into, um, you know, what I do now. And that was, oh my goodness, what, 18 years ago, 17 years ago. 
And, um, and so now, um, you know, my routine, you know, I guess so many people can look at a routine and have very different ideas and thoughts as to what that is. For me, a routine is just, it's not necessarily doing the same things at the same time every day, but my routine is to make sure that I make time for myself at some point during the day. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yes. So it's not necessarily being fixed about, you know, when. And for some people, they need that to begin with until it becomes kind of an ingrained behavior and habit to actually put yourself first at some point during the day to replenish yourself. Um, some people need to make sure that kind of happens at the same time every day. So it's like an appointment you have in your diary that never changes. But once you get ingrained into that habit of, of just you know, loving yourself enough that you do factor into your day in some sort of um, oops, have I lost you? Nope, no, I, I lost you for a second there, Joe. Now we're good. Now we're good, okay. Yes. Um, and so, you know, what I think is more important to remember around the idea of a routine is that, you know, you're making time for yourself during the day and if that time changes and if what you do to make time for yourself changes, that's okay. But the fundamental routine is that, um, is that you have you at some point in that day. Just talking about so much about any energy drains there. Mm. What is your biggest energy drain currently? And what do you do really to give yourself that energy back? Okay. So, um, you know, I'm going to be really, I'm going to be really honest with you here, Nick. And, you know, I think it's important that we can share with people that it's okay to wear, you know, wear your greatest challenges on your sleeves at times. Um, and I would say that my two greatest challenges at this particular time in my life, and it has been, um, this, you know, this year for me, 2016, the, the, the first half of this year, 2016, has been one of the most challenging years that I've experienced in a number of years. Financially, um, redirecting and realigning the business where I want it to go has um, been financially challenging. And then to throw into the mix the mental and the emotional stress of being so hands-on in supporting um, a family that I love and felt needed me and that for whatever reason I was the best person to step into an acute situation um, and, and offer my knowledge skill and be able to hold space and energy for them whilst they transitioned through their trauma. Um, but as a result, that doesn't come without personal energy costs. And so what has been my greatest energy deficit or energy leak <laughs> um, in the last um, six weeks has definitely been the mental and the emotional drain that managing an acute situation like that. I mean, I came out no matter, no matter how hard I tried to um, manage myself through that, there was definitely a deficit of my energy relative to what I was doing to replenish it. 
And so, Nick, that you know, that has absolutely been my experience, and I've learned. Um, I have learned so much. I'm still in a deep state of kind of processing um, what has happened so quickly, and you know, I find it hard sometimes to even get the words out because I am still processing the experience. And to see, you know, a family, um, to see a family that that you know they've lost everything. They, they've lost their business, um, they've lost their house, um, kids are being pulled out of school, they're having to make a complete, um, a complete sea change, um, and yet through all of that devastation and sadness of loss, the irony is you can see that they are going to gain so much that this is actually the paradox of of life it it's like you know they've had to go through this because you know all their dreams everything they used to and have always spoken to about you know just you know we're doing this so that we can live the life we want to live and i'm like well you could be living that now but okay you have your own lessons around that and then you know spirit decides that well you know you could have your life <laughs> sooner than later if you really want it but you know it's unfortunate as it always does that in most cases it takes a crisis to awaken people it takes a death a divorce a loss a, you know some sort of crisis to wake that person up to what really matters in life and um you know they have they have lost everything um except you know thankfully by the grace of you know, the divine, they still have um, a farm that they own up in Byron. And um, they will be moving to that and relocating to that. And um, they will be reclaiming the life, essentially, finally, that they've always wanted. Um, and, you know, I often think to myself, you know, could have it happened any other way? Obviously, the way they wanted it to happen, which is, you know, without the loss of everything else. But, you know, sometimes it takes the experience of, of supposed loss. That it, it, sometimes it takes the experience of that, that materialistic loss to realize the depth of a far deeper gain that is beyond material. It, you know, for them, it's like it, it, it seriously is. It's the reclaiming of who they are. It's the reclaiming of their family. It will slowly be the reclaiming of their health. And, and it's, you know, as I sit and, be, you know, been processing all of this, everything that, you know, we teach as Czech practitioners, everything that we teach as um, holistic lifestyle coaches, everything that we, you know, share and, and do our best to empower our clients, our friends and our families and our communities around realizing that all too often we give our power to materialism. We give our power to the world outside ourselves. In this pursuit of happiness, in this pursuit of, of happiness that I've come to realize people have really no idea what that means for them, more often than not. That it, it's just a word that's, that's thrown around. And the more I talk to clients on a, on a far more deeper level around, you know, what is happiness, they really, you know, they really don't have an idea. Uh, and if they do, it's always, well, 
when I have the house or, you know, when I have the car or, you know, and that happiness is, is tied up into this materialist world of consumerism. And so their power is given to the idea that health, wealth, freedom and joy is always when and it's always in the future and it's always based around something that I have to obtain or accumulate before I can actually experience that state, which is a state of being, not doing, number one. And, you know, I, I, I just, as, as sad as this is to see for, you know, for my dear friends and clients, um, it's the greatest gift. It's, it's a gift that's been disguised as, you know, um, the greatest challenge in their life, uh, yet it, as they always do, comes with the greatest gift. I mean, how many times do we hear those that have truly healed? What was my definition of healing before? That state where you realize that to heal isn't to be with the absence of disease, but to realize that you are more than the disease that has you. And so what, you know, what do we hear so very often from people who have healed from the likes of cancer? they've actually turned around and said, well, it's the greatest gift that I was ever given. That cancer was my gift. It taught me everything that I needed to know about the choices I was making that, that weren't serving me, that weren't honoring me, that weren't creating the life that you know I had dreamed of in my mind but hadn't aligned to through my values. You know, and, and here, here is the same. They're having a massive recalibration of what matters in their life and what truly is going to bring meaning and purpose and fulfillment. And, you know, I was listening to an amazing podcast the other day. I loved it. And I hadn't, you know, I think it was just the simplicity of, of, of how he said it. And it was such a beautiful reminder of one's purpose. And um, Holden, I think, I think his first name's Robert, Robert Holden. He's a Hay House, um, he's on Hay House Radio, Robert Holden. And um, he speaks a lot about purpose. And he had somebody on the call and his reminder was, you know, our purpose is firstly born out of who we choose to be, not what we choose to do. And so many people, the moment they start thinking about what is my purpose, they start thinking about what is it that they are supposed to be doing here? What is it that I'm supposed to be doing from a career or a, you know, um, a state of doing? And he just brought back this, you know, beautiful re reminder to us that, you know, the birth of our purpose first and foremostly comes from who we're choosing to be. And it's who we choose to be and who we bring as a being to what it is that we do is the first fulfillment of our purpose. When we focus on who it is we want to be, that is almost the precursor to aligning ourselves to that which we should be doing from a vocational perspective, career perspective, how it is you're going to make a living, you know, or a life preferably, um, in accordance to aligning yourself to your purpose. But for that, first of all, we have to get really clear on who it is we want to be. Who, how do we want to show up every day? You're responsible for your energy that you bring in to the room every day or, you know, bring into your relationships every day. And it's from that that we actually create. 
so that's just you know such a beautiful reminder because in a se- you know in a way you know my clients have had that's the road that they that's the path that they had veered off they were just out there doing and you know he was no longer being the person he wanted to be every day whilst he was out there doing and you know he shared that with me 18 months ago that there was you know a discord a um a split between the person that you know he felt he used to be going out there doing what he loved versus the person he now was going out there doing what he loved and so <laughs> the um the ether isn't being so kind to us. <laughs> it's all right. It, it still is a fantastic conversation despite a couple breaks up here. So uh, I'm sorry, Joe. Please, please continue sharing. So, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, I was just mentioning how, you know, I, I, I feel that, that that reminder around our purpose birthing from a place of getting really clear as to who it is that we want to be when we bring ourselves to the things that we do. And, you know, this was the great mismatch that had occurred over a period of time uh, with my client that, you know, he was no longer being the person he wanted to be every day. Um, And so therefore, even though the job didn't change, he was no longer aligned to his purpose. And hence why the challenges in the business started to arise and, you know, uh, things went south over a a sliding scale over a period of time. But, you know, it was all um, very much reflectant of the loss of of self, loss of identification of self and an over-identification of self with what one did rather than staying attuned to who you wanted to be and the, you know, the, the person, because you know, who we're being every day, does that not determine therefore our choices, our behavior, you know, who we choose to be is the precursor to, um, the thoughts that we focus on to the words that we share all the way through to the behaviors and the deeds, um, and the physical choices that we make. So, you know, they, they've certainly been my lessons in, uh, uh, repeated lessons in the last few, few weeks and the challenges as well. Joe, you said recently you've gone through even a lot with your business, a lot of changes with that. Uh, you mentioned talking about like clients and everything here. How do you explain it if somebody asks, what do you do? But also, what are you being on a daily basis? Uh, oh, isn't that the million-dollar question? What is it? <laughs> um, you know, I was just facilitating a few weeks ago um, a Czech webinar call uh, for HLC um, practitioners. And one of the questions was, you know, um, how do I transition myself and position myself with all of these new skills I have. I'm finding it really difficult to explain to the client what it is that I do. (laughs) And, you know, I I really, you know, I can share in that because what Paul teaches us is such a multidisciplined, true holistic approach to creating health and wellness. 
at all levels of the human experience that it can become really challenging to explain to people uh, because we, you know, we're so indoctrinated to a model of education and, um, and health that is based around, you know, departmentalizing and putting people into boxes. Well, a nutritionist, I just, you know, I'm a nutritionist. Well, it speaks for itself. Or I'm a, you know, I'm a strength coach. Well, it speaks for itself. But, you know, when you say you're a holistic lifestyle coach, what exactly does that mean? What exactly, you know, does that entail? And so I started, you know, when I met new people and they said, you know, what is that you do? <laughs> I decided to, um, to answer that with, um, I, I add quality years to people's lives. <laughs> and, and I found that, you know, that kind of summed up all of the multidisciplinary um, practices that we apply to the things that we, you know, we do with our clients. Because what we end up doing is adding quality years to our clients' lives. And then, of course, the question is, well, oh, that's interesting. You know, how, how do you do that? And so then, you know, that became a doorway to actually being able to explain um, a little bit more about what we do. And the nature of what we do is to really, you know, take a look at, at, at what it means to be a human being and the many components of that. You know, you're not just physical. Uh, you know, there's this mind-body relationship, your mental, emotional, and spiritual, and sometimes I replace the spiritual with the creative. And, you know, essentially, we're always learning, are we not, how to manage our energy. You know, that's why our business, Energy Coaching Institute, is the tagline is mastering your personal energy because that's what you're learning to do on a day-to-day -day basis. And so... Who do I choose to be and bring to what it is that I do? Um, I, in my in my work space, I always am being someone who is um, inspiring, empowering, compassionate, and understanding. To always trying to meet my clients where they're at. To my my job is to, um, you know. I, my, I feel my keepership, my keepership is the illumined path, is to continue to shine the light on that person in order for them to see what their, their, their true potential is and can be and can be experienced by them. And so, you know, I bring, uh, I bring the person that, that is the best reflection of who they're trying to be and, and give them an experience of that. And so they have you know, an experience of that being possible. And I love what I do. I, you know, I was just sitting yesterday in reflection of a client that um, has been quite challenging um, for me. I'm just coming towards the end of a three-month program with them. And, uh, and their whole pursuit with me, time with me, has been around helping them align to their purpose, you know, which, which has been Again, you know, how lucky am I that I get to work with people on so many different levels and that it isn't always uh, a physical health issue that people come to me with. That, you know, um, they're, that they're realizing that if, if, if they don't actually get clear about who it is that they want to be and what they do, you know, and, and, and get really clear about 
how they can better fulfill that, that purpose. That if they don't, that could lead to a physical illness. Um, but this particular person um, had been challenging for the last, you know, good two and a half months. And, and then just towards the end of the program, we're getting some real shifts. And, and I love that because, you know, I've just stayed true to showing up every day and, and being the person that I know can help that person open their own heart to new possibilities. And, and as I gently challenge them to look at things differently and gently challenge them to question their ideas and their beliefs and see, <laughs> see their heart just soften and open and, and, and take on a different perspective. It almost, like I you love Joe, Joe Dispenza saying, you know, you need to create a new, uh, a new personality to create a new reality. And, and that's, you know, that is part of it. You know, the recreation of yourself, getting really clear about who you want to be, is the recreation through your energy that creates a new state of being. And, and if that changes your personality and how you do things and what you choose to do every day, you're going to create a new reality for yourself. Um, so I bring to my work every day someone who is passionate, inspired, um, empowering because I see the potential constantly in my clients. And my job is to align them to that potential and, and gently show them what their blind spots are and shine the light on on what is yet to be unseen because their potential lies in their unconscious and it's bringing conscious awareness to these parts of themselves so that they can start to activate their gifts and activate their, their potential. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> I, I, think, I, I think I understand what you're saying, where you're coming from. Uh, Joe, I mean, no, but that's, that's the beauty of it. You can empower and embody like you said, just who you are being at any time, but also turn that and that becomes part of what you're doing. Mm. Um, and just that's how I'm that's how I'm understanding you at least. Like you get to bring those together and it just seems like a beautiful thing uh to share with the world. Mm. I mean it's like Paul always says, you know, good coach, it's it's half science, it's half art. You know, you need the information and you need the, you know, um, you need the information, the knowledge, and you need, you know, even sometimes the scientific evidence um, to sway somebody to doing something differently. Uh, but the other side of that is the art of um, the art of being able to have someone see things differently. And the art of a good coach is that lies in who you bring. You know, who am I being while I'm being the coach? You know, if I, if I came to a session and I was grumpy and I was, you know, resentful and I was, you know, um, you know, had a chip on my shoulder and, you know, was the victim, how, how transformational am I going to be to that person? You know, how, how, how am I going to assist them? You know, it's about holding your energy and your um and your state of consciousness and lifting them up into a new state of awareness 
for what they are creating in their day and how they can change that. And, you know, it takes an awful lot of energy, like Paul always says, it takes a lot of energy to, um, to keep your awareness and expanded consciousness elevated. Doesn't take much energy to drop down to someone's pessimistic, you know, sin is, you know, who's a cynic or, you know, um, who has a lower, lower vibration, if you like. But it takes a lot more energy to maintain a higher level of vibration and draw that person up to seeing things from a higher perspective. You know, it's, I always, you know, expanded consciousness, I always, um, describers you know if you got into a lift and you pressed the first level and you got off at the first level and you looked down then your view of what's below you is based on that first level but if you got back in the lift and you pressed level two and so you know from an eye an understanding of expanded consciousness if you got back into that lift and you know got out at level two and had a look over the balcony, then your view of what you could see standing at level two versus level one is is doubled. And so if you understand my analogy, you know, you go up to the top floor, go up to the penthouse, and you've got a view of everything below you. You've got a, uh, you know, it's almost a greater understanding for why things are happening the way they are happening because you get to see things that you weren't aware of or could see before when you were down at level one. And so what I'm sharing there is though to maintain that level of expanded awareness for how you are creating in your life takes a lot of energy, which is why it's so important that we make the time for ourselves to um, make the choices that replenish our energy and we eat well and we drink good quality water and we get enough sleep and we have time for enough reflection and time to stay true to ourselves and our core values and reassess those, you know, every three to six months. And when we, you know, when we do that, we, we feed our life force and we're plugged into that, you know, electromagnetic field that as a biological battery, you know, that's our true, that's our true energy source. And, when we can stay true to um, those daily rituals, we have a better chance of staying open-minded and less blinkered. We have a better chance of, of having a higher level view of what's going on in our situation rather than a narrow-minded, fixed view. Because the tireder you are, the more you know, stressed you are, the more narrow-minded and the more blinkered and limited your view, your idea, and your ability to problem-solve, you know, goes out the window. And you don't have that access to the penthouse suite that's giving you a greater understanding of why things are happening the way they are. And so to, you know, to, to be able to press that top-floor button and walk out and have that view every day, there are certain things that you've got to commit to um, with yourself to maintain that level of awareness. And that's, you know, that's a commitment that I try every day to make so that I can take my, my clients from whatever level 
in that elevator that they keep pushing and going and experiencing life from to taking them to the next level. So I hope that that gives some sort of a, a, a clearer analogy of who I choose to show up every day being and, and what it is that I do. It certainly does, Joe. And thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, I have to get running here shortly uh, because we're halfway around the world from each other here. It's getting later on my end. Last thing I just want to ask you, where can listeners find more about you? If they want to work with you, just find out anything that you're doing, where you're giving lectures, where can everybody find more about that? Mm -hmm. um, they can go to energycoachinginstitute.com, uh, energycoachinginstitute.com. Um, we just finished um, an amazing summit um, at the beginning of the year uh, where it's an amazing resource of over 50 interviews that I did with uh, the most brilliant and brightest minds around the world on overcoming depression and anxiety. Uh, so they can go to overcomingdepressionanxiety.com and they can learn more about uh, you know what we do there as well. Um, you can connect with me on Facebook. Joanna Rushton is one page and Energy Coaching Institute is our other page and you can always drop me a, a Facebook message. Um, if you wanted to get hold of me personally, drop me an email, joe at energycoachinginstitute.com.au. There you go, everybody. Make sure uh, check that out. Any, anything you have questions for, Joe? Uh, I, I, I mean, everybody, hey, ask her. Get, get out there. She, she's sharing all of this. Uh, but again, Joe, thank you so much for all that you shared. Uh, you can really see that wearing your heart on your sleeve, uh, the passion with just what you talked about everything. So thank you again so much. Everybody make sure go check all this out. Energy Coaching Institute, Overcoming Depression and Anxiety. Uh, I think it's going to go a long way and helping a lot of people out. So thank you again. You're welcome, Nick. Thank you so much. And thanks for these wonderful podcasts that you're committed and passionate at doing because you're following your purpose as well. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to head over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to get your top 10 world-class nutrition tips from the experts to help you simplify your health journey. While you're there, go to my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Also, if the show has helped you out in any way, please head over to iTunes to give the Bare Naked Health Podcast a positive comment and a five-star rating. This really goes a long way in getting the word out with how simple health can be and helping to share the podcast with others.